1: Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Fourth down and goal from the one. Handoff running left, trying to get to the corner. He didn't get there. He did not get get there. He stopped short. He has stopped short of the goal line. Bears hold the Cowboys out of the end zone. Baylor's gonna take over. They hold the Cowboys on fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Uh And Baylor will take over with 24 seconds to play.
0: Thank you, Joe, for your intro from your video from Twitter. Um, I do want to start off with that. How was that moment whenever you all were there? Um, You and Brian, Sir Fahrenheit on Twitter, were there with pretty much, I mean, the right angle to see what was going on. What did, uh, how was that moment?
1: Oh, dude, it was, uh, I was, uh, after after the third down play, Where it was, it was the pass to the tight end uh, that that uh, Petrie knocked away, and it got to fourth. There was just the anxiety in the building was palpable. We were there were two Oklahoma State guys that sat right next to me. We were in a section of the stadium that was kind of like the merger between the Baylor sections and the Oklahoma State sections. So yeah, I had Oklahoma State guys behind me and next to me, and then other Baylor folks around us, and. I was, I was kind of like keeled over. So I had a hat on um, that I wore to the game. And if you watch that video, I'm not wearing a hat. I don't know yeah. where my hat was at that point. <laughs> like i had probably thrown it off or like, I don't know. I left with the hat. I just wasn't wearing it in the video. Um, and then when it, when it happened, it just happened so fast. I remember the, the only reason I actually got it on video was because of the like fake not timeout that we probably called. We called a timeout, but didn't, yeah. we didn't have any timeouts. Yeah, that that weird thing that happened at the end, which I anybody out there that's complaining about that, I'm pretty sure it's just a five uh, five yard delay of game penalty, and it would have been half the distance to the goal. It wouldn't have mattered.
0: I think it's like it's only a penalty if you're awarded
1: a timeout, which correct, and really players in the field can't call a timeout. So, yeah. um, so anyway, when when that kind of confusion happened, like the thought popped into my head, I was like, and I think I was because I saw a guy in front of me do it. Was this might be something special? yeah let me record it like let, let's just see what happens and 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 I'll get my reaction out of this and so i immediately i just pulled out hit record and then the play started and i could not believe they were trying to go outside i 100 i 100% was like expecting it to be like some kind of run pass option or i, I don't know like i just a little sprint out to the outside it was a great play call let yeah. me say that like how many times do you see at all levels of football whether it's um College, NFL, uh, high school, even where everybody's expecting the, the ball to go up the middle and you just kind of deke everybody to the outside and the and guy walks in. You
0: beat the outside guy to the corner.
1: And, you know, the moment the moment the play happened when the pylon didn't go down, like I, we didn't really need any to be any closer than we were. Like we were we were on the 200 level. We were pretty close to it, but we were still far enough away that, as you can see in the video, like the guys are kind of small. But you could tell immediately that he didn't get in. And it was like, oh, my gosh, dude. And the Oklahoma State fans around us just like they just left. Like, dude, it was just they just picked up their stuff and walked like th- no comment, No, like in like stoic looks on all their faces and just like no emotion. The The guys that were sitting next to me and then as. After we, you know, had the little QB sneak and moved it forward, and, and the game officially ended, and the the real mass exodus of the Oklahoma State fans kind of stayed through the end of the game. Um, they they were just so downtrodden and just depressed. Uh, it was the the only time I think I've ever experienced anything close to this at a live football game was probably sixty-one fifty-eight in 2014 just yeah. how much that game meant to both teams and seeing a team you know seeing the opposing fans lose on the last second of a game that meant that much and was that tight
0: yeah
1: um but i mean this was a championship so of course it just meant more uh but man it was the best feeling in the world like just so ecstatic that i could go um sat with Brian. Like you said, my college roommate also was there with us. He sat in front of me. Um, and I, and I got to to meet up with a ton of people like Aaron Dunn uh, met up with him for the first time. Uh, Neil Galimo got to meet him. Great dude. Deontay Epps got to hang out with him after the game was over. I'm, uh, Peter and I found each other and just gave, gave each other the biggest hug of all time. Like I'm pretty sure I injured my back from, from the <laughs> hug that Peter and I had, um, you know, there's so many folks that like, we took a great picture with Ron Wadley. Fank was there. ZK Mavs. Like if I'm forgetting anybody that I saw, sorry, but dude, it was great. It was just awesome. Uh, How did you watch the game? So I had to work.
0: So I was, I was was in my office and I mean, luckily I have like three TVs in our office. So I had the game on and I will be honest with you. I was, it was very, I was, a lot of anxiety I was I was anxious the whole game and I'm I I I, didn't, I couldn't even watch the last play like it got when I mean, it was like the pass play like the third down and Petrie breaks it up and I saw there's 30 seconds left and they were lining up I walked out and I walked just walked around our office like the hallway I walked the halls just in circles for 30 seconds and it still wouldn't have time because because of the timeout, I came back right when they snapped the ball. So, like, I've still had my head down. And then I looked up right whenever you see Terrell Bernard running towards the official, signaling, like, no good. And then whenever he sign- he signals it, and they just go crazy. That's probably my favorite thing. You watch Terrell Bernard, his, like, his reactions just, it's like, seared into my memory how he reacted, never he went right up to the fish whenever he started bl- blowing a dead ball, and they just sprinted off. It was amazing.
1: Man, it was. <laughs> he was. He looked like a little kid. He really does. Like he does the double fist pump in the air, yeah. and then as he's running, he's kind of got his his hands spinning around. I'm doing it. Y'all can't see yeah. me on camera right now, but he's got his hands spinning around his head. Uh, it, whew, it, it, dude, it was so fun. And then just seeing um, Baylor champions you know big 12 champions in in the baylor logo yeah. up on the giant screens in dallas uh i think that was the first time i've ever been to a confetti game where oh, yeah.
0: just uh, a three i've the...
1: been i've been to a couple of bowl games uh but i don't i don't remember i don't know if they do confetti at the texas bowl i don't i don't remember enough <laughs> uh or the alamo bowl the, the alamo bowls i've been to i didn't go to the one in 2011 i think they had confetti there but this they was them
0: in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure, or at least the championship game. I don't know. Maybe it's a championship. It game was.
1: Thing. It was super cool to see like all the confetti come down and then pull out the stage. And that was an all. obscene
0: amount of confetti. Watch it on TV. It's like it blocked. So out it the really.
1: It, uh, that's the crazy part is they just had this little section. It was they were basically in the red zone of the yeah. of the Baylor end zone where we made the goal line stand, and the confetti was really contained to just there. Like there. 80% of the field didn't have any confetti on it. So I'm sure that it was just really good camera work.
0: Yeah. Well, welcome everybody to the Baird Inn. I'm Matt and that's Joe. And as you can tell, we're talking about Big 12 champion Baylor Bears. Um, so watching the game, it was, you know, you jump out, like it's 21, I think 21 to 6 at half, something of that nature. And then, second half, Jim Knowles just adjusts and completely shuts down. I know Blake shaven had maybe like a shoulder thing where his throwing may have been off because he, he fell weird on his shoulder when he did that, had one run. But the defense, Oklahoma State defense is legit. And they they took everything away from the Baylor offense in the second half.
1: Yeah, it was a – it, it reminded me a little bit of the Iowa State game earlier this year where we yeah, took advantage of some exactly. things early yeah. and and then were able to hold on. Now, it was a yeah. much bigger deal of a game and a bigger yeah. nail-biter, I think. Uh, there there was a lot of questions this, you know, the week before about which version of Spencer Sanders would we get. And I think all of us, especially after uh, Sanders got a certain award that we'll discuss later this <laughs> in this podcast, uh, after he got a certain award, there was a lot of discussion about The performance that he had against us and kind of what he looks like as a quarterback and if we got bad Spencer Sanders what would happen and we we definitely got bad Spencer Sanders in this game and looking at statistic the statistics for Spencer Sanders he's got what seven interceptions against Baylor this year so it starts to make me wonder if it's not that we get bad Spencer Sanders it's that Baylor makes Spencer Sanders bad uh, that our defense is just that good because we are
0: well I think I think there's only one version of Spencer Sanders and what what Baylor, I think anyone would do. If you get that, the pass rush and the pressure, not even like sacks and stuff, but just pressure, you're going to force him into throws that lead to interceptions regardless. It's just Baylor does that. They did that to him in Stillwater and they did that to him. But I mean, he also, he makes throws into triple coverage, like as as a habit. Like I just don't understand. Watching the game on TV, you can tell like all those bad throws, even the ones that weren't picked off, but they were, you know, like third and longs that were not converted. They're like you're throwing into like triple coverage all the time. It's like you, he makes horrible choices.
1: Yeah, and and it, they were Oklahoma State was kind of similar to their performance in the Stillwater game. I think the two keys to this game for me compared to the Stillwater game. For this one is a when Spencer Sanders gave us gifts, we converted that into points. Yeah, that was huge. That was massive. We got what three touchdowns off of their turnovers. Um, and then the other key was, I think it's a twofold thing. We had Terrell Bernard back and they didn't have Jalen Warren. So their running game was extremely stifled Yeah, against us. I think they I think they had uh, I want to say they had 40 carries for 70 yards and they averaged about 1.8 yards a carry which makes me love the fact that with that statistics and what they had done to us driving down the field from the 10 yard line on that last drive, being able to pass against us when they got down to where it was do or die. And you just, all you got to do is put the ball in the end zone. Mike Gundy decided the guys that I have, I'm I'm averaging 1.8 yards a carry against. I'm going to try to run the ball for two yards. (laughs) And I
0: never tries to run Spencer Sanders. Not, not, not,
1: once. no, not once, not an RPO, nothing. We had a that, and those final four plays on that goal line stand, they had just a straight running back dive, just a jumbo package through the A gap. I'm coming at you, just running back dive. The second play was similar, but the running back tried to do a leap play over the line yeah. and that got stuffed. Then he decides to go to the air, but he threw the ball to a defensive lineman. It, they, they brought yeah in, That like, was
0: a defensive lineman. Pla- it was a defensive line lineman that
1: came in on the jumbo package. Yeah. And it was like, Gundy was like, "Ooh, I'm going to trick him. Like, this isn't this isn't that this isn't the second quarter where you're up by seven and you're just trying to, you know, get, you know, it's second down and you're trying to get the defense off guard. This is this is third down when you need you need to get a touchdown to win the Big 12. You put the ball in your best player's hands and you have him throw it to your best player. So whoever that guy is, it's not it's not a defensive lineman. I guarantee you. And then that that fourth down play, which I do want to talk about a little bit just technically in that I think it was a great play call by Gundy.
0: Yeah. I
1: really, really do. The one criticism against the Oklahoma State running back Jackson, I don't know his first name. I just know his last name is Jackson because that yeah. that call is burned into my brain. Uh, the biggest thing with him is I don't think he should have dove for the corner. I think if he lowers his shoulder and goes into McVeigh. He's got all that momentum and it just, it would be so hard for McVay to pull him down and not let him just fall forward for a yard. Um, I think he gave up a lot of his power diving for the corner there, but McVay does such a good job. We talked about at the top about how a lot of times in those situations that play works because everybody's, you know, pounding towards the offensive line, going to the middle, expecting that's where the ball is going to be. And when you watch that play, you see, um, you see McVay take like one or two steps inside towards that line of scrimmage. And he but he's watching the running back and he sees the cut outside and just it's a dead sprint. And just I don't know if in the history of Baylor football there is another more meaningful and impressive singular effort than what Jaron McVeigh did on, on that play. For everything that it meant and everything that you know that came with it and just how hard he had to work without any help whatsoever to pull that off. In my head, I, I just I can't think of anything in the history of Baylor football that matches that.
0: Yeah, and I've, all of us we've watched that that play a, a million times. And I watched it a couple times, several times today, and you could see, like you said, he takes steps in towards the line of scrimmage, sees what's happened, and it's like he takes the the perfect angle and times his like dive towards the the ball carrier, the exact perfect time just to grab just enough of his jersey to, to pull him back so he can't make the pylon. I mean it's just like it's just perfect in all sense. And if I whenever I was watching it and they announced like the player of the game, whatever, and it went to Lake Shapin and he had a great first half, seventeen started seventeen to seventeen, three touchdowns. But if you watch that game, Jaron McVay is all over the place. All he, over. He has an interception. He he's the hit that forces the the Braden Utley interception in the second half. He's, I mean, made he had makes another that play that, at the end. So
1: he had another play that I think I think Travis Roter pointed out. I don't know if it was Roter or somebody else on Twitter uh, recorded recorded a play. It was a third down. It forced an Oklahoma State punt. I think in the second half, which the second half that's yeah. where our defense really had to step up because we didn't score. We didn't score yeah. whatsoever. We were shut out in the second half. And there's a third down play where McVeigh is the right safety. He's on the right side of the field and they throw like a little bubble route to the left side of the field, to their running back and McVay runs all the way diagonal across the field and gets a tackle for loss.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, (laughs) from from the safety on the other side of the field, it's to force a punt just huge.
0: It's been talked about a lot, but like, I think it would never like rule first got here he talked about how they're doing testing and we have a walk on safety who ran, who ran a four, three, nine. He said, I've never seen that. And that's Jared McVay. I mean, he's that type of athlete. He's that guy.
1: He, uh, and here's the other thing that I, I've been thinking about a lot is we're going to completely forget that he won the, he basically won the K state game for us. Yeah. He made, he made the open field tackle against uh Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. It's this. the second job. time it's this job. year yeah. that he has just had a singular defensive effort to make a tackle in a major spot against a really good player in a really important time, <laughs> and he and yeah. he just pulls it off.
0: He walks on the Baylor and, you know, impresses Ruling them enough that they eventually he becomes, like, in the two deep. And people – I remember at the time I was like, I don't know who Joe DeVay is. Then he gets a scholarship, and he stays in the two deep, either starting or, you know – the next guy got man up and, at one of those safety spots. And so it's just a great story. And he's like getting his degree, a master's degree in geology or it's um, it's just a great, it's a great day.
1: It's, it's so special for the guys that experienced one and 11, right? It's yeah. for Terrell Bernard and for Jalen Petrie and Jaron Uh I want to say Connor Galvin was there Connor that Galvin year. Was, I think he was and in the, Those guys that that went through the crap years, they had two seasons of their college football career where they won a total of three games. You know, they had a two and seven year and a one and eleven year.
0: Raleigh Tahada, I mean,
1: yeah, Raleigh Tahada. Man, cannot forget about Raleigh Tahada. And those guys, they played on this field in this game against a school from Oklahoma, and went to overtime with a backup quarterback and just didn't couldn't quite pull it out so for them to be able to do this and kind of exercise those demons it's is so special and i really hope that they're, now that they're getting they got a second chance at the big 12 championship they're gonna get a second chance at um the sugar bowl i hope man i so hope that they uh that they're able to exercise the demons there and pull pull that off and and be the first baylor team in a long yeah. time that's brought home a trophy from one of those major bowls.
0: Yeah. Now I can't remember Joe. I mean, it was kind of expected of Baylor to make it there because they were picked part of one of the top teams in the conference preseason. Right.
1: So it's an interesting thing that you bring up, Matt, you know, you would think that a team that won the conference would have at least been predicted to be in the top half. No, that's not the case. Baylor was actually picked to finish, I believe eighth eighth this year. Hmm.
0: Funny how that worked out. I think you know, that's about where Texas finished, somewhere around eight, aren't they? Seven, eight. Yeah, they're right around there, seven or eight.
1: Where did te- Where's Texas bowl game at? We're going to get to go to New Orleans. Where's Texas going?
0: Oh, they are playing in the um magnificent uh stay-at-home bowl, <laughs> right there in Austin. Are they
1: facing? Are they, uh, is it going to be the stay-at-home bowl versus USC?
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so, oh my God, no, man, like just there were there were uh groups out there that had that picked Dave Aranda as being the worst coach in the big twelve before the season started, like you said we were yeah, we were- and
0: i've I've seen that, and at the time, I didn't really have any qualms about it because he was never he had one season as a head coach and he's two and seven, so that those are fair because he just kind of he he slides into that last place just by default because we really don't have a lot to work with. So I'm, I understand like it's, it's funny to post the pictures on Twitter and, and now we'll see what he's done. But at the time it's like, well, that's, that's fair. He's two. And seven oh, it's and totally nine.
1: fair, but it's absolutely fair to me. It's Don, hilarious. To now now me it's about. like,
0: he's probably about three, two, one to three, somewhere in there. If that's why the, 12. that's
1: why the mantra is always hashtag never tweet. Just, yeah. just <laughs> never say anything. Don't
0: make a list. I mean, I know people, they got to create content. So it's always like, Let's rank everything. Let's just like this year, they're gonna be like we're grading the hires. Like that's ridiculous. You don't know how this is a good hire. Anyway, so we got a lot to cover. Do you want to go with uh, Big Twelve bowl games, or do you want to check on um, the Big Twelve end of season awards first?
1: So I think we're. I think let's go into the bowl games. This is a good segue from what we're talking about. Um, yeah. You know, we mentioned that the University of Texas. The flagship school of Texas, the the wealthiest athletic department in the country.
0: Oh, well, they prop us up, but you know. Yeah,
1: yeah the 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 group that's been subsidizing Baylor sports so, for right. hundreds of years. Yes. Um, unfortunately, did not meet the minimum requirements this year to make a bowl game. They finished five and seven, and you have to win six games. So Texas won't be going to a bowl game. Um, it does make me wonder, though, will Texas refuse? The uh, the bowl money that Baylor will be earning them by going to a new year six bowl because when you go to a new year six bowl, you get a lot of money for that, and that gets split up among the conference. So, I don't know, is Texas going to be willing to be subsidized by Baylor? It's a great question, maybe again, we'll find out someday.
0: Because I mean, we did go to the Sugar Bowl like two years ago, so again, be <laughs> subsidized by Baylor.
1: So, Matt, let's uh, let's talk about a team that is going to a bowl game. Who do you want to talk about first?
0: Well let's just go let's let's go chronologically. So the first bowl game that it features a Big Twelve team is gonna be the Liberty Bowl. That is the uh, Texas Tech versus Mississippi State, which is such a sweet, sweet, wonderful bowl game matchup.
1: Yeah, it is uh it's one of those bowls that you that you see on the bowl projection list throughout the year and you're like, not There's yet. no well, way. It's like there's no way that when we're they do like this.
0: Texas, Texas Anniums, like they're not yeah. gonna do that.
1: Right. And so if, for those of you who aren't aware, the reason that this this bowl game is a lot of fun because is because it's Texas Tech versus Mike Leach, the longtime coach of Texas Tech, one of the most successful coaches in the history of Texas Tech, a guy that did not have a great exit from Texas Tech and still uh, believes the school owes him a lot of money and a large portion of their fan base think he should be paid and would love yeah. to see him come back someday. So. I, I know there's a lot of Texas Tech fans, too, that believe there's a curse of the Pirate because Le- Leach's nickname was the Pirate when he was there. And uh, because they don't believe in the way that everything went down when the school let him go, that they are now cursed in football uh, because of what they did to him. So we'll see if the curse of the Pirate exists. I think in this everyone's
0: game. cursed. I mean, I do fall on the Leach side of this because Craig James' career really hasn't Gone great since the whole helicopter dad incident, and he forced, essentially forced them to fire for what he allegedly did to his son Adam. And then, like you said, Texas Tech hasn't been great since then, or good really. They have maybe what, one eight win season, I think, since he was fired.
1: Yeah, that's uh, what was uh,
0: that like? And that that may have been even Tuberville.
1: Oh man, yeah, I think Tuberville was probably it. the last, in, and as Cliff bad as. Ever made it to eight wins. And you remember how Tuberville left him, right? There was a recruiting dinner that he was at, and he just they got just up got and up left.
0: And to go to Cincinnati? How about that?
1: Um, and just so you know, we're just going through the bowl games and kind of the interesting parts of the matchup. Yeah. We're not. We we will we will do picks for these games and how we think they'll go. Um, a little a little bit later on, closer to the games, especially yeah. when we're able to see um, if any guys are choosing not to participate in them. Um, it's, all right, funny. What I want to touch
0: one more thing on that. One. Oh, yeah, funny thing about it, you know, they have the like the day they get selected there, like the, the Zoom conference or whatever with the coaches or whoever. Um, on that one, uh, Mike Leach was not involved in the uh c- conference call with me about <laughs> the bowl. <ball. laughs> all right, next on the list, what do you got?
1: Uh, we have the guaranteed rate bowl in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, this is also on December twenty eighth, so the same day that yep. Texas Tech plays. So we have only late, late bowls for the current Big Twelve squads. Um, West Virginia plays Minnesota at nine fifteen. So this is a super late night game. Yeah. Um, so we got the Gophers versus the Mountaineers. Uh, I don't, I don't know much interesting about this other than I think PJ Fleck, the coach of Minnesota, and Neil Brown are just. St- two very different dudes
0: yeah yeah i mean i don't have much to say about this right now but it's it's a i mean it's fine you know it's a it's a power five matchup um so it is
1: it's a It is. yeah it's a bowl yeah i'll watch it because there will be nothing else on at 9.15 p.m. And I won't be working. Think about all those Tuesday, people back
0: in like Morgantown or West Virginia. Like that's like a 10 o'clock kickoff
1: for them. The East oh, Coast. I didn't even think about that. That's central.
0: 10, that's <laughs> and, 9.15 central.
1: Yeah, that's 9.15 central. Yeah, that's a 10.15 kick in Morgantown. Oh, yeah. man, that's a kick in the nuts. Yeah. Is Minnesota Eastern time zone? No. Let me look that up. Hold on. Did they do that? To-
0: I don't think so. I think they're central.
1: Yeah, they're Central. Okay. They're Central, yeah. That's still really late, but that would have been Pretty hilarious late. if they put two Eastern time zone teams oh, in that in that and game. 9:15.
0: All right. The next day on the 29th, we have the infamous Cheez-It Bowl. Um, now, this is a weird bowl because the Cheez-It Bowl used to be like Arizona, I think. And now yeah, I think it Orlando. used to be
1: the bowl we just talked about, the guaranteed rate bowl.
0: Okay. And now it's the whatever it used to be in Orlando. I don't know.
1: So this is this used to be the Russell Athletic, which is the bowl that we beat West uh, or North Carolina. Carolina, Yeah.
0: So this is this is a good matchup. I think Iowa State versus Clemson 445 p.m. on a Wednesday. (laughs) Um, I mean, Clemson's down, but it's a good matchup for, for Iowa State to kind of measure. You know, Clemson is still Clemson for all intents and purposes.
1: Yeah, Iowa State, I think, uh, on the whole, is probably disappointed. I mean, yeah, not probably. Sure. I think I think they are. Yeah. They're disappointed with the results of their season. Um, and I know there's some question marks about like if will Brees Hall play in this game and stuff like that. Uh but yeah, uh, anytime you can beat a name that Clemson has right now, you'll take that. You'll because that's hey, remember the time we beat, you know, the team that's been to what four straight college football playoffs, something like yeah. that. Um and but the biggest thing about this game for me is the assault on the senses. From the color palette in this game, because the bowl and all of its branding and all of the sponsoring for it, because of the Cheez-It bowl, everything is orange, yellow, and red. And Clemson's colors are orange, and <laughs> Iowa State's colors are red and yellow. Yeah. So it's just it's just all just all red and orange. Everything red, orange, and yellow everywhere, and it's disgusting.
0: The Iowa State should go back to that classic red before they kind of switch to the more yeah. sea looking code. You know, remember when they were like like Bright
1: red, yeah. They, they, I remember that it that still would have looked horrible in this bowl, yeah. Game. It so, would, but I, I said that on Twitter, and an Iowa State fan sent me our old Adidas basketball jerseys. and He said, This is an assault to the senses, and I said, Well, it would be if we were playing Oregon in a game sponsored by John Deere. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, and so again, we have another the Big 12 has a, almost everything is just back to back for the Big 12 for the yeah. seven bolt. We have six bowls on three days um, out of our seven. Uh, Later that night at 8.15, a more reasonable hour for the teams involved in this one. We have the Valero Alamo Bowl, which is probably the the most fun, generally, Big 12 non-union or six bowl. Uh, Number 16, Oklahoma versus number 14, Oregon. And this, Matt, I think is just kind of a a matchup of what-if teams.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it's also wild it's also the matchup of our head coach bounced on us abruptly bowl with mario <laughs> cristal will go to miami and then lincoln riley's in usc so you have the interim coach bowl
1: yeah it's the interim coach bowl and who, who is going to be coaching for oklahoma like who i know bob stoops is coaching the game but who, who are the assistants like who's his wide receivers coach and because and, yeah because a lot who's of his left. defensive coordinator
0: uh, well, Bob Stoops is the defensive coordinator. I that's, his, <laughs> that's his thing. But, well, my thing is, like, who's coaching Oregon? Who's the interim at Oregon? I don't know.
1: And, and have we seen – I don't think I've seen if Crystal Ball's taking everybody with him or not. But no, Lincoln Riley absolutely nuked Oklahoma. So this Here's is the, – saw so
0: their, their defensive back coach, who was kind of double dipping last week, he officially is not on the staff anymore. And then, like you said, Alex Grinch, um, strength and conditioning coach, also gone, I believe
1: so and uh for oregon I've, i'm pretty sure Kayvon thibodeau who is he opted out or he's going to the game yeah, he, Did he opt yeah out? He, well i mean he's going to the draft but i'm pretty sure he opted out of the bowl okay. game as well and so you know that's the best player in the country that might not be playing in that game so plus oregon had i mean like the consensus number like, one pick
0: what three starters in the portal hazelwood's already <laughs> at arkansas <Yep. laughs> he's already committed to arkansas so it's like, who's going to be playing in the game? Also,
1: yeah, this is this is a an absolute game of two teams that the numbers that they have in front of their name are absolutely not warranted at this point for what's happened to them, by no fault of their own. Correct. Moving
0: into the uh, the New Year's Day selection, we have the team we just played, Oklahoma State, it's taking on number five Notre Dame. In the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, uh, this is noon on New Year's Day. Um, I've read some things about this, like uh, you may have seen this on Twitter, about when they had that that whole like press conference where uh, Notre Dame Rider was like, "They don't play defense in the Big 12. and I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was like, this these people are in for a shock. Granted, they will not have their defensive coordinator because yeah, was I was going to say Ohio maybe State, not at was, this
1: point. <laughs> So, but yeah, breaking news! Uh, just, just, just a few hours before we started recording this on Tuesday night, it got reported that Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State, whose offense was 37 centimeters away from winning him a Big 12 championship and Probably let him down to the
0: playoff, if yeah, winning. from going to the playoff, yeah.
1: has uh, has left Oklahoma State and will now be the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. So. That's a big blow, because I'm not gonna lie, I was really I was really rooting for Oklahoma State to blow the doors off Notre Dame in this game.
0: Yeah. And I mean, Notre Dame is a they're they're a good team. But they I mean, they haven't played. Also a more. team without their head coach. Also a team. Well, I mean, they both.
1: do have their head coach, but yes. the the guy that coached every game this year is no longer their head coach. Yes.
0: This will be his first game as the head coach. Marcus Freeman's first game as head coach would be against Oklahoma State.
1: His first, so is he actually named the head coach for this game? Well, I mean,
0: if you, so the AD didn't name an interim. He goes, I think everything runs pretty smoothly. So we can all just have our own. They can all just do their own roles and do what they've been doing. And, but since then they have named him as the head coach. So I would assume he would take that role. So, he's already okay, on so staff. this will count he's already towards his head
1: coaching record. Yeah. Okay.
0: I mean, he's been introduced. I would think that he would just take over as head
1: coach. Gotcha. So it's not like a Joey McGuire situation where he's not getting no. wins because Sonny Cumby is. Okay.
0: Or like Sonny Cumby has has actually had three positions this month. Um,
1: yeah, he's now of the head coach at Louisiana Tech.
0: And simultaneously, he was the head coach at – interim head coach at Texas Tech. He was Offensive going, coordinator. Named the offensive coordinator at Texas Tech next year and the head coach at Louisiana Tech next year. So it's not that situation. So – And this game, I think, like, you're right. I wanted to see them um, run through Notre Dame and kind of shut all those people up. They shouldn't be number five. They played nobody, and the one team with the pulse they played, they got beat by double digits in Cincinnati. So I'm really pulling for uh, for Oklahoma State that game.
1: All right, let's skip forward. Yeah, and we'll save we'll save the other New Year's Day game for last, but we'll skip forward to January fourth, which is so weird in the in the playoff era now that they've started pushing these bowl games like between the New Year's six and the national championship game. Uh, we have on Tuesday, January fourth, and that's everybody will be back at work by then on a Tuesday night at eight o'clock. Who's going to watch this game? Uh, we have the Texas Bowl, which is I'll Kansas State. I mean, I'll probably will, but actually, no, we'll be recording. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, It'll be, a- we'll be K-State be a- versus LSU. Yeah.
0: And we talked before we came on, we kind of talked about this. Um, the, they only have one scholarship quarterback for LSU. Also breaking news. Um, Max Johnson entered the transfer portal and Miles Brennan already was in the transfer portal. So they have Garrett Nussmeyer, who's a, I believe he's a true freshman, is their only scholarship quarterback.
1: Is Skylar Thompson available to play? Well, like, is he, oh, he going to be healthy?
0: I mean, I would assume like, he's he been off. I mean, since our game, I mean, it has been a long time. They played Texas at the end of November. Okay. And then they yeah, didn't I'll play, you know, so it'll be, this is, again, this is January 4th. So he had a month or more to recover. I would think or I mean, if I was him, I'm, I, I may opt out and kind of let's see what um, Will Howard has. I mean, if, if he's going to be your starting quarterback next year, you have 15 practices, have a whole game, see how he does. If that's gonna, how you're going to go. It's also a um, kind of an audition for Colin Klein because Kansas State fired their offensive coordinator and he's kind of the acting interim offensive coordinator.
1: I, I do hope that we get a situation where um, Brian Kelly travels with the team to Houston, and we get to hear him talk because I really want to hear more about his family. I realized I put this on now screen. that he's the LSU coach.
0: What that reminded me of was like, have you ever seen it's a uh, it's an old silent live bit where it's called like Maine Justice, and it's Jason Sudeikis, and it's supposed to be in Bangor, Maine, but they all are in with Louisiana accents and mention like. Louisiana, like the Gators are going to get you. This is Maine and it is hilarious. And I, that's what it reminded me of whenever the Massachusetts son is talking in a Southern accent in that uh,
1: direction. <laughs> oh man, what a goof. What an absolute goof Brian Kelly is. Oh, I think we've talked about, talked about this enough, but yeah, he's a goof. All right, Matt, take us to the, the, the last of the current big 12 teams bowl games.
0: Yes, on 745, at 7.45 p.m. on January 1st, Baylor will take on Ole Miss. We finally get this Ole Miss-Baylor matchup. We were promised so long and then got canceled in 2020 because of COVID. We finally get to play Ole Miss. Um, I'm really intrigued by this matchup. I think it's entertaining on paper.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of storylines here. And you just yeah. mentioned one. So I mean, I think first first and foremost, it's our second trip to the Sugar Bowl in two years or in three years. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't pull it out against Georgia last time. Those kids that were playing for Georgia are playing for Georgia now and are competing for a playoff. So uh that was a really good team that we faced. So can we, you know, as I mentioned, can we exercise those demons and, and go out and grab a win here? The other thing that you mentioned was we were supposed to play this team last year in Houston and in RG Stadium to open the year. And COVID didn't allow us to do that because we had to end up canceling that game. Knowing what we know about last year's team, <laughs> I'm kind of oh, glad God. that we didn't play that thank game. That's, that's all I know um, about. <laughs> yeah. All off yeah, I'm kind of glad we didn't because we were also supposed to play Houston. So I'm kind of glad we didn't play them or Houston last year because I think it would have been embarrassing results for us so we've got that and then you know another really big storyline that's a part of this game is Baylor for the first time that I'm aware of facing somebody that was a major player in the Bryles era um and has very close ties to Art Bryles that is at a um yeah a position at their school of you know at least power um and
0: I will say this. I don't think he's going to be coaching.
1: Oh, is it official that he's leaving?
0: It's not been official, official, but all the, you know, all the guys with check blue check marks, their sources are telling them like, he's already like recruiting for Oklahoma. Like he's, he's out there. He's, he's out the door.
1: So, the person I'm talking about is Jeff Lebby, who was a, a coach for Baylor during the Bryles era. Briles. His, son-in-law. Uh, he's his son-in-law married to our Bryles daughter, um, probably most famous during his tenure at Baylor for being suspended for uh, basically wearing a disguise on an opponent's sideline, trying to steal uh, signals at, a, at one of the games they're playing. I think it was Oklahoma th- that he
0: <laughs> that's the narrative. I don't think that's
1: accurate. <laughs> No, uh, knowing what I know about those guys now, it's one hundred percent accurate. I don't care.
0: He was, I think that was Coach Montgomery, Philip Montgomery's first year at Tulsa. They were playing Oklahoma, and he went there to. We were as a bye week, and he was wearing Tulsa gear, and but he was on OU sideline. I mean, he is an alum of Oklahoma.
1: So. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just he's just over there, just you know, de- definitely not trying to look at stuff that a conference opponent is doing. Come on, that's absolutely not- what he was doing. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. But he a may
0: is a Houston Astros fan, you should know this.
1: <laughs> um, he may or may not be coaching in this game, apparently. Yeah. Um, I hope he is, because it's- I would absolutely love for David Randa's defense to go in there and shut this down. And they'll probably be running that same offense no matter if he's there or not. Um, yeah, and- you know, it's still gonna be
0: that Browse esque offense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And guess what, guys? Dave Aranda's defense is really built to stop that kind of crap. So yeah, good luck to him.
0: Um, take a look at the uh, past two Oklahoma games with Dave yeah. Aranda. Or the past three games Oklahoma face a Dave Aranda defense and see how that works out.
1: Nobody, so, Not great. And don't worry, we'll do a deep dive into that game a little bit later. But oh, for sure. Just absolutely... Couldn't ask for anything more uh, than what we've gotten. Uh, second Sugar Bowl in three years. Uh, really, like I said last week, the golden Arrow of Baylor sports. And we get to add a Big 12 championship and a New Year's Six Bowl to it. Ooh, buddy. Matt, let's talk about some Big 12 awards. All right.
0: So these are very controversial. Some of these are for me. Um, I'll just start off at the top. The Offensive Player of the Year. I have no issue with whatsoever. Brees Hall, Iowa State running back. Absolutely. He scored I don't know how many touchdowns he scored. Broke I know he probably broke a record. I'm pretty sure I saw that this year.
1: I didn't keep up with Iowa State that much, but it was something like fifty four straight games. Yeah, he scored like he a had touchdown. a
0: touchdown. Yeah, something like that. Something crazy. But so yeah, I, I have no I have no qualms or no issue with um Brees Hall.
1: Yeah, no, no, don't need to say anymore. He's absolutely the best offensive player in the conference. So, yep, he won it. Uh, next up, Defensive Player of the Year. Again, I'm I'm on the same thing that you were on with the Offensive Player of the Year. It's Jalen Petrie. Um, yeah. No, no qualms for me about that one.
0: I mean, if you wanted to make an argument with someone else, it would have been Rodriguez from Oklahoma State, the linebacker. Yeah. He had a great year. But Petrie would absolutely was the best Defensive Player of the Year. Going into the season, all the way through the season, I mean, he earned that award for sure. Um, offensive newcomer of the year. See, I have an issue with this one, personally. Um, although Jalen Warren absolutely had a great year, I would consider Abram Smith as an offensive newcomer considering he played linebacker last year. He did he play on offensive side of the ball.
1: He played running back the year before that, though,
0: yeah, so maybe it's a
1: and i i you know, I think the newcomer of the year it's it's basically a transfer
0: to the or something like that yeah like, it's new like to the transfer okay yeah, okay, then disregard what I just said
1: <laughs> um no yeah, Jalen Warren, I mean he transferred into Oklahoma state this year, great and year. yeah, great, year. great um, year um defense in the newcomer of the year, no qualms here, we've got yeah. um. uh, Siakiika or Apu as 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 he also goes by, defensive lineman for Baylor, who transferred from LSU. That he's been everything I thought he was going to be and more.
0: Yeah, and um, he's a sophomore.
1: Yeah, so he has two years left. Yeah, if he stays that long,
0: I think I I think I haven't seen his name for any of like, um, which I don't know how underclassmen do. I don't know if they're eligible for like those. um, East West Shrine Game if it's only seniors or how that works, but I haven't seen him like invited or said he's going to any of those. So maybe he's gonna come back, you know.
1: Oh, I think he's definitely coming back. Um I think we'll probably for see one him for year. Two more years. You think for two more years? I think we'll see him for two more. Yeah. I don't think he's I don't think he's at the level of defensive lineman yet. I mean, he may prove me wrong next year that that he is of the caliber where he'd, he'd be drafted high enough to warrant going that early, but I absolutely think he has a future on Sundays, so.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, offensive freshman of the year, Xavier Worthy, Texas, wide receiver. Uh,
1: the kid was electric. As bad as Texas was this year, he was basically, he he and B. John Robinson were basically the only, the the bright spots on Texas these, yeah, this and year.
0: I really so. can't think of, Many more freshman players that were impactful in the Big Twelve on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, and and Worthy was legitimately even as a freshman, yeah, yeah one of the best sure. wide receivers in the conference. So for sure. Yeah. Uh, defensive freshman of the year, Colin Oliver, Oliver defensive end from Oklahoma State. I don't. I don't have a problem with it. No. Nah.
0: I mean, the thing about it, like, I would love to hear an argument have why Baylor players should be in every single spot. But we didn't play a lot of freshmen. No, we didn't have a lot of newcomers, yeah. except from um, Apu. I mean, he won the award. So I mean, we we just didn't play a lot of freshman players. So it's hard to argue with the what they what the coaches chose.
1: Oh yeah, there was only one freshman that played regularly on the Baylor team this year, and that was Isaiah Hankins.
0: He's a kicker, yeah. Which is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. Special teams player of the year, Tristan Ebner. Baylor. And of course, I mean, he's the difference in the Iowa State game. <laughs> I mean, practically.
1: He basically <laughs> won this for the Iowa State
0: game. Yes, I know. I mean, I had that same, like, it's kind of like default because he was like the preseason. And then, like, there's no one else who stood out. And he had that huge kick return against Iowa State. So there's really no one else you're going to give this award to because no one stood out. Except Tristan, him Yeah, and it's not just the touchdowns. I mean, you think about the yards he gets, like his like yardage, all-purpose yardage are always you know over 100 yards a game. So, uh,
1: and let's keep the Baylor stuff alive because <laughs> the offensive lineman of the year went to Connor Galvin. I that dude's a a monster. But if you told me last year or the year before after the offensive line performances that we'd had of late that we would have the offensive lineman of the year on our team, I probably would have laughed a little bit at you. So
0: yeah,
1: just huge strides that Connor Galvin made. I mean, he's always been one of the better players on our offensive line, but as a whole, the line, I think this award kind of goes to all of them and just huge shout out to Eric Mateos and the job that he did revamping that offensive line this year. Just that award, that award should go to the coach too. You know, that For seems- all the, all the, everything Connor deserves it but man oh
0: for sure yeah like whenever they did the Burrells award for like the best assistant coach I was shocked that he wasn't on there I know um Grimes was on there but Eric Mateos did such an amazing job like you were talking about considering where the offensive line started when he got here and where they ended up at the beginning of the season all the way through the season till the end um he did an amazing job And did I read somewhere like our offensive line didn't didn't give up a sack or something of that nature? Some crazy stat like all year.
1: It was yeah. Going into the bowl game, I think it was Pro Football Focus said that they were not responsible for a sack.
0: There were sacks, of course, but it was more like scramble. I think they. I think things like that. When they
1: the responsibility meter, I think it's like if the quarterback holds the ball for a certain amount of time, then it's not the offensive line's fault. Then it's like a coverage sack. Uh, or if it's a blitz and the running back was supposed to block the guy, it's not considered a, yeah. a sack for the and offensive line. It's that kind of thing.
0: PFF has their own like metrics that they go by when they do stuff like that. But yeah, but still that's, that's a, a huge change from, uh, from last year, previous years.
1: And then um, let's see, we have the co-defensive line of the year. So they ended up, this was a tie. They gave it to two guys. Will McDonald, the fourth from Iowa State and um, Felix uh, Uzoma from Kansas State. I don't know a whole lot about Uzoma, but I know Will McDonald is a monster for Iowa State. So I know he absolutely deserves it. But I don't I don't remember too much about the kid from Kansas State. Well,
0: we, the game before they, that we played him, um, he had something like some crazy number of sacks against TCU. Like he was like, he had like nine sacks. He hit some crazy, like wild number like that the game before that. So he, he essentially won it because of that game. And finally, coach of the year went to Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State. I do have a problem with this one.
1: Yeah, go ahead. You go. Ahead. Um,
0: Mike Gundy's a great coach. He's been at um, Iowa State, Iowa, Oklahoma State for seventeen years. Um, he's had some great teams, but um, as we talked about earlier, they ran ahead of team that's picked eighth preseason and ended up in the conference championship game. So I just think that it was a more he was more deserving of the Coach of the Year award than um, than, than Gundy.
1: The thing is, is two things can be true at the same time. Mike Gundy can have done an amazing job being a head football coach this year and getting his team into a position to win a Big 12 title and going 11-1 and and being on the doorstep of the college football playoff, which was all true when this award was announced. The conference championship game hadn't been played yet. That's when it got voted on. That can be true while also saying that the job that Dave Aranda did this year was better than the job Mike Gundy did this year. Just because somebody did a better job than you doesn't mean you did a poor job. It doesn't yeah. mean you didn't do a great job. But somebody else just did it better. Dave Aranda did a better job than Mike Gundy this year. And you want to know how I know that for a fact and how the rest of the country knows that, is because Dave Aranda is a finalist for the National Coach of the Year Award. The Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. The national one. Like, the coach is Heisman. David Rand is a finalist for that Mike gundy isn't, so they got this one wrong
0: for sure and I don't know when it is voted on it is voted on by coaches, but um, I agree with you a hundred and ten percent so do you so want to the, switch over go ahead
1: that's uh, that's that's the big that's the big awards this year um, I don't think i think I think the majority of them we pretty much agreed with yeah i mean i mean there's i mean you could nitpick, but
0: there's really nothing that's egregious except for the coaching year but yeah. uh, other than that then they're um they're all easily um acceptable um so something else happened this week as it pertains to Baylor football. they released the twenty twenty two football schedule and uh I'm not going to lie to you, it, uh, it ain't great.
1: Yeah. Well, this is our even year. So yeah. you got to, as a Baylor team, in the current way that the Big 12 scheduling works, you just you have to shoot to have your best version of yourself in the odd year, which is what we've done. Yeah. It, because you get, you, in odd years, you don't have to go to Ames. You don't have to go to Norman. You don't have to go to Morgantown. And you don't have to go to Austin. All those teams come to Waco in the odd years. Problem is, in the even years, you have to go to every single one of them. So <laughs> we've got to go to Ames, to Morgantown, to Austin, to Norman. Oh, and by the way, we scheduled a home-and-home with BYU that we played at home last year. So we also have to go to Provo and all that.
0: So I'm I'm going to go through just week by week real quick. Um, and um, I want to shout out David Finkhauser for he pointed this out we still open up the season playing Louisiana tech. So Sonny Comey would have ended his year as interim head coach at Texas tech playing Baylor will open it playing Baylor and Louisiana tech. So he's going to open it. He's going to close play two consecutive home home game or two consecutive games at McLean stadium as a visitor. So that's an interesting little nugget. And they're not a good team. I don't know how good they'll be his first year there. I think there were three and nine this year. So it's Louisiana tech. They fired their head coach, hired Sonny Comby, So,
1: Yep. Uh, I'm not too worried about that one. Um, I mean, like you said, like this is a, this is a scheduled easy win game. That's the reason we put it on there.
0: Yeah. The, the next game, like you, you, you mentioned it earlier there. Uh, we traveled to Provo. Take on BYU. Um, I fully expect this is going to be like a nationally televised. Like It's week two. It's a, it's a big-time game.
1: Yeah, this will be – both of us will be ranked just based off of where we finished this year, right? So yeah. Baylor's going to finish this season. Uh, win or lose in the Sugar Bowl will be a top 15 team. And uh, BYU, unfortunately, got shafted in their bowl game, and they're playing BYU in, what, the Birmingham Bowl? They're
0: playing
1: um or sorry, uh, UAB. UAB. Yeah, too many just letter schools. UAB it's like the
0: Independence Bowl or something like that.
1: Is it the independence? Okay, yeah, sure. it's 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 a lower level bowl that yeah. and they're playing UAB. Like they just they got shafted in the experience that they get. So they're gonna win that. They'll finish the season most likely as a top fifteen, if not then a top are they, twenty team. Well
0: they 14, fourteen, thirteen now?
1: There's something like that now. So you have to finish in
0: the top fifteen.
1: So they're guaranteed essentially to to start next year as a top 25 team baylor will start next year as a top 25 team yeah so this is this is going to be a ranked matchup and you're right this is this is this might even be a candidate depending on how high we're ranked and the other non-con that's going on in week two this could be a game day candidate
0: for sure we get that um return of the home and home with texas state where uh, the bobcats come to waco uh so it's another. It's kind of like losing a check. I don't yeah,
1: really. Yeah, it's, a, it's a Texas State. What are you gonna do? Yeah,
0: yeah, Following that game, we have to go to Ames take on Iowa State. Now I saw this one, and I think at first, like, yeah, you have to travel to Ames, but I think traveling to Ames in September is way better than November. So I'm not too. I wasn't too like shocked with this game. We knew it was coming, so I'm yeah, glad it's like in September. we knew
1: we knew we were going there and the best case scenario is the earliest that you can possibly play them. And our first game,
0: the first earliest play.
1: that we could possibly play them is what we got. And yeah, that's what you want, right? You want a Matt Campbell team early in the year. do you, don't and you want to make
0: October. You want to make yeah. it September.
1: Exactly. You want a September game and you, want, and you want to play them when it's not cold as balls up yeah. there. <laughs> so absolutely, this game is going to be, it's going to be 75 degrees is going to be a perfect day. And yeah, yeah, it's and we play great defense now, so I don't care what their grass is like.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's slow it down more, let's grow it higher. Yeah, um, after that, we get to welcome in Oklahoma State, they come to the McLean Stadium this year. That is, that'll be a fun game.
1: Thank god we don't have to go to Stillwater after Saturday. giving us giving us a break from having to go to stillwater that's that's nice that we don't have to beat them in the big twelve championship game and then turn around and go to their house so it'll it'll be it'll be really nice and it'll also be nice to get to play them without Jim Knowles
0: yeah for sure and it, it's one of those weird schedules where we play like five games, I think it's five games, yeah, and then we get our our off week um in that second week of October before we travel to Morgantown on a Thursday.
1: So, yeah, this will be a Thursday night game Uh, or mid-October. There's, I think, three Thursday night games in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Oklahoma-Iowa State is one, and I know there's another one. Maybe there is just two. Yeah, I think there's just two, actually. So, yeah, uh, Iowa State-Oklahoma and us versus West Virginia are the two Thursday night games. It'll be an interesting experience. I think the last time we went to Morgantown, we played on Thursday, though. Well,
0: they it was a Thursday in 2019 in Waco in two years ago. Oh, it was okay, Thursday. gotcha. It was a, Waco was a Thursday night where he's like won like 17 to what 13 or something like that. But yeah, that was a Thursday night game. I think we've had like this is our second Thursday night game in four years against gotcha. West Virginia. Um, after that, Kansas comes to Waco. Um, I think Kansas, Kansas will be better. It's not, it's not the old Kansas. I don't think where it's automatically going to be just a pushover, sixty to six type of game. They showed it in the year. You know, they they're playing better. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be competitive yet. But I think a full, having a full um, off season. With Lance Lipold will do them a lot of good.
1: Yeah, they're still a couple of years away. Yeah, uh, just because they don't have they don't have the the kids yet. Yeah, no. he he's installing the culture right now, and he's changing the way that they perceive their own program. But you got to give him a couple of years to recruit.
0: I mean, I could see them flirting with like five wins. Right. I mean, and I'd I'd be remiss if I
1: didn't mention they did beat Texas uh, this year. They did they? Yes. Was That's that in it. Lawrence?
0: No. As a matter of fact, it wasn't Austin. As uh, as, funny as Kansas it sounds, beat
1: Texas at Texas. Yeah, in overtime. Wow, unbelievable. <laughs> has that ever happened before? Well, has Kansas um, ever beaten Texas
0: in the past? It's funny you should mention it. They actually have. Um, no. In 2016, or in the recent past. <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, we have to travel. This is an interesting game. We travel to Lubbock to take on Joey Maguire, the Red Raiders. Um, and it's just going to be one of those interesting like, storyline games.
1: So this is this not absolutely
0: a, not just Joey Maguire, but there's a quite a few former Baylor
1: coaches on the staff. There's a lot of former Baylor coaches on the staff. They will have everybody hyped up for that game. The other interesting thing is this is the Halloween weekend game. This is on October 29th. Halloween's on uh, what a Monday this year. Monday. Yeah. So this will be, this is most people's Halloween. And I'm guessing that it will be a, some form of a blackout for them for sure. uh, Because it's Halloween. And if they get this at night, nighttime in Lubbock where they're doing a blackout where they've got Joey McGuire fired up, that could be a scary game for us.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't know anything, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see like Baylor players on that that team. That are currently. Um, I can I don't see know. the only thing I think about. I worry about Josh Fleeks. He's from Cedar Hill. He doesn't get a lot of playing time, or hasn't got a lot of playing time at Baylor. He could do like exercise his free one-time waiver thing. I'm just that's the only one I worry about. I don't think I. Worry but about if you're if
1: you're waiting for playing time, this is the this is the time because I think what Sneed is gone and and Thornton are I think Sneed and Thornton are both gone, right?
0: And Fleeks is old though, too. True. I mean, he's a junior. I mean, he has. I mean, we'll see. He's Who only knows? one I worry about just because his ties to Johnny McGuire are, are go a little bit deeper than everyone else's. Um, the, after that, we have a back-to-back road games where we travel to Oklahoma. This is also interesting because it's a new Oklahoma staff, so we don't know really how I mean I guess you think Jeff Levy will be the coordinator allegedly. so they're gonna be running that browse spread and then um, but you really don't know what this team's going to look like because it's a new new animal.
1: Yep, there's the chance that this is the last time we ever play a game in Norman as well. Um, yeah,
0: there's a chance we don't play this game in Norman. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. there's still a chance they may leave in the summertime. So there's a that I,
1: however unlikely it is, it is a non-zero chance that that could happen. But yeah, this is most likely the last game that we'll ever play in Norman. If if I had to put my money on it, uh, Joe, answer
0: the question: What um, what happened the last time Oklahoma played in Waco?
1: When Oklahoma played in Waco, they lost. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, they they lost that game. The last In time fact, the okay. we we rushed the field, and then had everybody leave the field,
0: Made so we come could back
1: yeah. could kick a petty field goal okay. on them. I remember now. And then rushed the field on them again. That's what happened. You know, this is going to be an interesting season for Oklahoma. I'm, I don't know if Caleb Williams is going to be there. They've already lost Spencer Rattler. They've lost tons of other kids to the transfer portal. Their yeah. entire. Uh, recruiting class for early signing day is basically gone. Like you said, they've got a whole new coaching staff coming in with Brett Venables being their new head coach, the old Clemson defensive coordinator. And before that, the Oklahoma okay. defensive coordinator. Uh, so it's interesting. It, this, this very well could just be one of those down years for Oklahoma. They'll still have some horses on that team. They've still got plenty of four and five star kids that have been recruited over the years, but I don't know who's playing quarterback for them next year. Um uh, Marvin Mims, their best—I well, think he's probably their best wide receiver. He's leaving. Uh, so Hazelwood's already left. Yeah, their uh, their tight end, their big beast tight end. I can't remember his name. He's leaving. Yeah. So
0: all those, like you said, all those recruits, that were those Southern California guys, they all flipped to USC.
1: Yeah, all of them. All of them. All of them. So it's going to be an interesting year for Oklahoma. And so, if you wanted a year to play them on the road, this is it. This is this is the year they're vulnerable. So a little bit dangerous that it'll be later in the year for them so if they do have some newer guys and and just generally their whole team getting used to the new coaching staff yeah you're you're normally a little bit more comfortable at the end of the year than you are at the beginning um plus it's November 5th in Norman it shouldn't be too cold but there's enough variability there that it could be a crazy cold game uh but who knows uh, it'll be an interesting thing to see where both these teams are at once we reach that point in the season next year.
0: And after that game, we have uh, back-to-back home games with Kansas State and TCU. Um, I don't. TCU have a new coach. That's the Sunny Docs era. Um, new offensive coordinator, new defensive staff. So, um, I think they, today they announced they hired the uh, Tulsa's defensive coordinator to be their defensive coordinator.
1: Yes. So, um, uh, who was actually the coach at Stephenville High School after our Bryles was there?
0: Yeah, Joseph Gillespie. Yeah. And then Kansas State—they're going to have a new offensive coordinator, and most likely. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Colin Klein. I would think, but we don't know that. It's not official. He's interim right now, but we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, those two games are—they are what they are, right? It's—it's it's two teams that. For whatever reason, Baylor's never able to really blow them out, and we seem to have some scary weird luck when it comes to playing them. So,
0: although we have won four straight against Kansas State,
1: that's true. There's it's never easy, but no. our record against TCU in the Big Twelve is not the best. And
0: TCU says <clears throat> in years that we should just completely destroy them, we either lose close or win close, but it's a close game, mm-hmm. and then. Years whenever they're good, they completely destroy us. I just, yeah, I just hate it so much.
1: I know it's the worst, but hey, it's the sunny dikes era now. <laughs> hey, yeah. So, so, how do we close the season, man? A new day is dawning. Um,
0: close this out Thanksgiving weekend in Austin to take on the Longhorns, which I'm kind of excited about.
1: I'm super excited about this game because yeah. Texas should be better right? Like they should be a bowl team in theory. Yes. In theory. But Texas should have been better this year. They fired Tom Herman to get better than they were. And where they were was what like eight and four or something. You know, they I think they had won seven or eight games. Yeah. Uh, right. They were bowl eligible team. They fired, seven, five, they, probably, yeah. I mean, they fired Tom Herman because they fired Tom Herman because that wasn't good enough. That's crazy. And then they went five and seven. So it sounds like it sounds so familiar. Has Texas
0: done that before?
1: Texas has done that before. Okay. (laughs) But, you know, I just, I don't know if everybody wants Sark to succeed and they haven't quite turned on him. Everybody hasn't quite turned on him yet over there because it's just one year and there was you know, whatever injuries, whatever you want to call it.
0: I mean, I'll say this, like. I'm going to take off my Baylor hat for a second set it aside. And as a, in general college football I, I'm I'm of the mind that you know college football is fun when Texas is a competitive team and you know just same thing with USC. I just think college football is fun when those teams are are being competitive with their other um conference mates whether it's USC and Oregon or Texas and baylor or texas No oklahoma whoever they're playing you know to 15 years day. ago
1: i'd have agreed with you but after all the shenanigans that the university of texas has pulled and everything that they've done to try to get their way and to try to make everybody know that they make more money than them and try to get everybody to know that they deserve to keep all of that money and nobody is as good as they are after all of that after us bowing down to every single demand that they had for years and eventually yeah. leading to them leaving the conference anyway, having them be bad is so much more fun. And I think people are so especially this year. I think
0: this year if was you super polled, fun. It was so much fun just it because was. everybody so loved it going into the year. And I, I don't know about Texas themselves or the coaching staff or the admin, but like their fans and like the, you know, orange Nation, all those people who just like talked all that trash, and just to be so shitty was just wonderful. Think about Nebraska.
1: How much does everybody love watching Nebraska suck now? Every it's it's a meme at this point. Yeah, because they were so dominant for so long. People like that Nebraska is a punching bag now. The thing with Texas is they were never dominant. The Texas isn't Nebraska. Texas in my lifetime has won one national championship. Texas in been my been
0: is oh nine.
1: Yeah, Texas in my dad's lifetime I think has won three, maybe, maybe two.
0: Yeah, so I don't understand where this idea comes from that they're this historic blue blood like Michigan or Alabama or like because all those teams have like skins on the wall like a lot of national championships. in the history Oklahoma's got a even Notre Dame even Notre Dame Pittsburgh has a
1: ton yeah Pittsburgh has nine national championships. Texas doesn't have anywhere near that it's to be fair that's what's funny to me And, and that's why I think I think it's funny when Texas is a punching bag long term you're right it's it's better for college football for Texas to at least have up years and then the funniness of the down years because if they're not up it's not funny to watch them fall down again uh that being said, I just don't know. I, I honestly can't tell you how good Texas is going to be next year uh, and if this game will be interesting. But really, like Oklahoma, it might be the last game we ever play in Austin.
0: I'm really concerned about Stark's well being and his mental health. And I want them to be successful for his sake.
1: <laughs> I think Stark will be fine this time around. Uh, I just don't know if he's a good football coach. So
0: I don't either. It's, it's funny how good people can coach when they're at Alabama.
1: So that is your, your 2022 Baylor football schedule that we got released this week. So um, a lot of exciting games on there. We get BYU again uh, next year is when or the year after, I'm sorry, is really when the pressure cooker gets on because we've got six years where we have home and homes against Utah, Auburn and Oregon. So get ready, Baylor fans. You'll, you'll have some interesting home games coming in the next few years after after this next season. Um, before we get to a close, did you get a chance to watch any basketball this weekend?
0: Um, I did not. I was kind of like focused on like football championship weekend. So I did not get to see. I kept up with the the games that were played via my mobile device, and but I didn't get to watch any. Did you watch any basketball?
1: I watched a little bit of the Arkansas Pine Bluff game okay. uh, after the championship game. So funny story, we, we left the championship game and like everybody's talking about where are we going to go? And I was with a group of folks um, with some friends that live in Waco and another buddy that lives in Dallas. And we were all together. And uh, Aaron Dunn was with us too from Twitter. Aaron, and um, we were kind of just trying to find a place where we could go eat and maybe watch the Georgia-Alabama game so we my buddy that lives in Dallas is like hey up the street there's this kind of cool restaurant bar that has a patio and it was a beautiful day outside so we're like yeah let's go there so we drive over there we get there and it's actually the Oklahoma State post game like <laughs> radio bar where they're doing their live radio broadcast <laughs> oh post game so we had to sit down and listen listen to the listen oh, to sad, them
0: sad pokes. oh it
1: was great uh, and, you know they were talking about how The main thing I can remember is this. This one's going to sting for a long time, but you got to own it. You just got to own this one. It was what the guy was saying. It's
0: seven. I'm not going to
1: get into it. But my buddy whipped out his phone and he he put the Arkansas Pine Bluff game on. And to be honest with you, we watched it for maybe 10 minutes on his phone because it was just such a huge blowout that. Yeah, it was like you can conserve your phone battery. (laughs) This is this one's in the books. Baylor the the men's team ended up beating Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, ninety nine to fifty four. Arkansas Pine Bluff, a uh, a squad that's in a portion of their season right now where they're just making money that keeps their program afloat. This is a this is a buy game for Baylor. They pay Arkansas Pine Bluff to come to town and whoop up on them. Uh, so c- thanks for coming and playing us guys. Uh, but yeah, yeah uh, a 50, a forty five point win for Baylor in this one.
0: Uh, the women also played a game on Saturday night uh, before the Big 12 championship game. That's a big game. They, you know, Missouri came in. It was in the the Big 12 SEC Challenge game. They were undefeated. Uh, Baylor takes care of beats and takes care of Missouri and um, continues to win. So that's a this a is a game, game
1: that I was uh, I was following this one. I was following the score like every every couple of minutes. I would check the score on this one because it was so close. Yeah. Uh, in Missouri, Missouri, uh, I think was undefeated. Yeah, they 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 were, undefeated, they, they were yeah. undefeated or had one loss, and yeah. so, you know, like you said, the the women's team just keeps winning, man. And yeah. uh, I'm glad that we're in a football lull because I'm going to I'm going to let myself dive into basketball season now, and I. I don't have to worry about football until January 1st. Any any football games I watch between now and our bowl game are just going to be icing on the cake. So, yeah, it it is our season to dive into basketball.
0: This is it. Um, I know uh, our friend Mattis Bear has already like full force. He's into basketball just from following him on Twitter. Like, he was, he's into it tonight. He's into basketball. <laughs> um, uh, the women will play Alcorn State tomorrow. Now, Alcorn State is 0-6 on the year. Um, I don't know who they have played, but they are 0-6. And, and then, um, and that's going to be uh, I love 11 a.m. basketball on a weekday is just a special, special thing. And so that'll be tomorrow morning, or t- yeah, tomorrow morning 11 a.m. They'll play on ESPN Plus. So if you want to check that out, it should be. Uh, Watch
1: a lunch Yeah. So. And the men have a massive game this weekend.
0: Yes. They um, play Villanova on Sunday.
1: I Top six matchup. Top six number matchup. Number two, Baylor versus number six in the Villanova.
0: Villanova does have two losses on the year. Um, Baylor is undefeated. So it's a huge game. I think Jimmy V said he's going to be at the game earlier in the uh, before the season. He's going to be there, so it's a it's, it'll be a big game. Um, I'm just looking over Alcorn States. Yeah, they really haven't played anybody. So anyway, so yeah, Villanova and the Baylor men. That's a big game, and I'm really uh, I'm really excited excited for that game. And I think that's when I'll really dive in into basketball. I mean, it's hard. I don't get into it as much as others where I'm going to watch like every college, but if college basketball is on, it's going to be on my TV. But I'm going to dive into uh, Baylor men's basketball and try to keep up with them and see all every one of their games this year, except for the Arkansas Pine Bluff. I think I've, I've watched every game this so far this year.
1: Yeah, I think this is the first game that I haven't at least watched a significant majority of was was this one and it was just unfortunate timing it was really cool that they they gave away free tickets for it understanding that a big big part of our fan base wasn't going to be in Waco so uh kudos to Baylor for for opening that opening the doors to the Ferrell Center for that game uh but yeah I I wish I could have could have watched it but man I was I was full-born into football I'm not gonna lie
0: yeah I'm just going over like Villanova they're playing right now they're playing Syracuse right now so it's 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 wild that Baylor has like a week between games and Villanova's playing on, on Tuesday, and they have to play, turn around and play Baylor on Sunday. So they're at Syracuse tonight. Um, I was trying to go back and see where their losses came from. So they, you still lay beat them to start the year, <clears throat> like that second game of the year. And then Purdue, number one team in the nation, beat them. So, so those are the two losses. Uh, UCLA numbers like UCLA is ranked. Um, are they still? They're still in the top five, ten.
1: Yeah, probably. At one point
0: they were two, but I think they they dropped again. They got
1: they got blown out by Gonzaga.
0: Okay, that's what. Happened. Um. So yeah. So their two losses are two two ranked teams. So they're still a good team. They just played the Purdue playing great and uh, UCLA.
1: Man, it's we're in the heat of it now. December, December is prime non-conference basketball. This is where we get yeah. the, all, all the fun non-con games um, before conference play starts. So it's going to start heating up. Check it out. Make sure you support your men's and women's teams. Um, volleyball is also going on right now. Um, yeah. So check them out. Throw your support behind them. Um, Matt, anything else that you've got going on in life? Anything that you've been watching, reading?
0: Uh, well, I am... I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm I'm big I'm like Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel fan. So I'm I'm deep into Hawkeye right now. Like um, like I'm the top of I'm a type of person with all those shows. Like I'm like a I'm waking up at four a.m. to watch it type of guy. So like I'm into it. So like I'm into that right now. I'm still reading Dune. Um, so that's kind of what I got going on. Um, and so not having, I'm looking for some new podcasts. So most of my podcast listening has been. It's college football centric so i'm looking for some things outside of that to uh to listen to
1: yeah we're getting to that time of year where um you gotta start moving away from football and yeah. i hate that time of year yeah i i love basketball i love college basketball i do but college football is just something something so different and there's so much anticipation that gets built built week, you know, built up week over week to this one event that happens on the weekends. Uh, so I'm going to mess it. But we're about to be in the beautiful season that is bowl season. That's what I'm most looking forward to. What I've been doing lately is just being a fun dad and putting up Christmas decorations because as much as you love Thanksgiving, I am a Christmas guy. So we have our tree up. We've got uh, our garland up. I got a bunch of firewood. Uh, this weekend, and whenever it drops below sixty degrees, I get my fireplace going. I absolutely love having my fireplace going. So yesterday, it was like fifty-eight. Threw a couple logs on the fire. It was quite nice.
0: I'm the same way. Just we have a we have an outdoor like fire pit, and I I love to like mm. build a fire. Now, I want to yeah. clarify: like I don't not like Christmas. I just want to wait until after Thanksgiving to be inundated with it.
1: Mm-hmm. But, You're a Krampus, aren't you? Krampus.
0: No, yeah, I am for sure. <laughs> I have socks, Christmas socks, like all of my my. I have two daughters and a wife, and they all get Christmas socks, and I get Christmas socks. Mine say uh, Bach humbug."
1: My wife got me Christmas socks uh, a couple of weeks ago. Actually, she got me a new pair. I love, I love crazy socks. I, I, I do.
0: I don't know how your and, wife is, but my wife is like, I really don't get um to like pick things like that it's like hey i got you some christmas pajamas like whatever okay
1: <laughs> so my wife will like but she would let me pick but she she likes to surprise me and she knows i love cr- crazy socks and so she got me these <laughs> christmas socks that have uh, like a santa t-rex on them awesome. so they're pretty they're pretty sweet i like them a lot
0: all right joe that's all i got
1: that's all i got matt uh, I, you guys can't see him right now But I, Matt's on camera And I Even though you guys I, I gotta tell you That That big 12 championship It just looks so good on you It just does. looks real good on you man
0: I've noticed that myself And I will say this Like you, I was gonna mention it You have a little bit of more like A, a glow About you I think it's that That big 12 championship glow Really uh, <laughs> is, um, Does amazing things with your skin
1: Absolutely Sick and bears Matt
0: Alright see, right see you next week
1: Podcast Network. 18 plus.